Hello, welcome to the Petcast, brought to you by leading pet charity Blue Cross. I'm Emma Barton, along with my dog Poppy, who's lying on the bed behind me. Well, she's pretending to be my producer, and I'm sure she will tell me if I do something wrong. This episode, we're talking about the seasons. From colourful leaves and crisp mornings to the run-up to Christmas and the prospect of snow. Autumn is here, and before too long, it's winter. For many of us, it's a magical time, but it can present hazards. So we are on hand to give tips to keep it safe and fun for our four-legged friends. Um, From dogs eating silly things at this time of year, like acorns and conkers. Unfortunately, it's one of those times of year we see a lot of different problems. Dr Bev Wilson is one of Blue Cross's fantastic team of vets. She's here with us to talk about what dangers to look out for, both inside and outside the home. Cats particularly sort of when they're going off and they're exploring in the garden, you get sort of at this time of year a lot of sort of hedgehogs and foxes all sort of been a bit hungry, a bit bolder, coming sort of into the garden more. So the cats are actually more likely to pick them up as well at this time of year. And this is what we do on the Petcast. Have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you with some of the UK's leading pet experts who are on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. Bev, welcome to Petcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I love autumn, one of my favourite seasons. But I've sort of also been doing a bit of reading about the autumn and winter in relation to our pets. Um, And there seems to be a lot of potential pitfalls. So as a vet, do you see a lot of animals related to these seasons? Yeah, unfortunately, as you say, it's one of my favourite times of year for having dogs. You get to take them out on nice long walks. You're not worried about them getting too warm. But then, unfortunately, there is the downside. We do see an awful lot of problems at this time of year. And there's sort of like a whole host of problems that we can see um, from dogs eating silly things at this time of year, like acorns and conkers, um, right through to things like canine seasonal illness that they can get from being in the woods. So, unfortunately, it is one of those times of year we see a lot of different problems. Crikey. So yeah, eating acorns and conkers. Both conkers and acorns are actually poisonous to dogs. So just by eating them themselves, they've got the risk that it can cause sickness, diarrhea, sort of tummy ache. But also they can actually sort of obstruct the intestines and then some dogs will need surgery to get them back out again. So what seems to be sort of a nice walk with the dog snuffling around, actually they can get into quite a bit of trouble. And you do get some people who sort of aren't aware of these dangers and they'll play sort of fetch with a conquer or something like that, and then the dog ends up swallowing it and that's when sort of a lot of people find out how dangerous they can really be but it is yeah I must say I had no idea about that I mean and again you know my my doggy just loves to have a good old sniff in and with all the leaves and you've got to be so quick you think they're sniffing but actually she's having a little cheeky munch <laughs> on something and yeah that's the last thing she was um poisoned in the summer actually we, again oh, no. don't know what she ate but she was we were out in the woods and she was sort of went disappearing behind this tree for ages <laughs> and then yeah she had all that problems with the, her tummy and oh, she was oh, lethargic so I know it's really upsetting for owners and costly and you just also just don't know what the outcome is going to be and it no. takes a while for them to recover I guess. Yeah it does sort of take them some time to sort of 
bounce back and then from sort of like an owner point of view you're then always really worried about what are they going to do on the next walk so I sort of think that this time of year is great because you can also do like a lot of training and fun things as well so one of my dogs he would eat anything and everything as well when he goes out so we just sort of take toys and treats with us and if I see him sort of sniffing away at something just practicing a good recall calling him back you know a nice treat so he doesn't realize that he's stopped having fun because he's come back to me and he's got a nice treat but it's just sort of having to have that extra vigilance at this time of year. Yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> definitely have some goodies in, in, a, in a pouch or a pocket <laughs> on a walk at the moment. And because even like apples, yeah, they're poisonous too. Yeah, so many sort of hidden dangers. So apples themselves, sort of when you're feeding them as a treat, that's absolutely fine as long as they don't eat the pips. But the rotten apples that you find sort of out on walks mm. at this time of year, because they're starting to go sort of a bit mouldy, the mould can actually be really, really dangerous to dogs. And that can cause fits and tremors in some dogs. So again, it's kind of watching them as they're on the walk, making sure they're not eating anything like that. And it's the same with even fallen leaves. When they start going mouldy, then you get exactly the same problems there as well. What about parasites? Yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people think at this time of year, oh, it's getting colder, you're not going to get as many parasites. But actually, with the house being lovely and snuggly and warm, when you come back from your walk, it actually makes the perfect environment for fleas and ticks at this time of year so we do see an awful lot of cases of fleas and ticks and so usually we sort of say although it's colder outside just to sort of carry on with the same level of flea treatment as you would throughout the summer to try and keep them at bay and we particularly see sort of a lot of ticks because they like to hide in all the nice leaves that are outside Um, but then unfortunately as your dog goes rooting through the leaves to explore what there is there they end up picking up the ticks. Longworm um is this right that this is a particular problem unfortunately longworm is a really really nasty parasite it can sort of usually dogs pick it up from eating things like slugs and snails and frogs but the signs that all the delightful things that dogs do (laughs) um the signs that they can show can be so variable so it can literally be absolutely anything from being sort of a bit sluggish uh, to having sort of a cut that won't stop bleeding to sort of right through to um, the team at London had a dog, um, a little beagle that came in that was actually having seizures and that was all because of lungworm. Um, So sort of within the profession, we sort of say that it is a silent killer because it can just be any sign whatsoever that your dog is showing can actually be down to lungworm. So it's one of those things that prevention is much better than then trying to cure the problems that you're getting. So we usually sort of say at this time of year, just to sort of carry on with sort of the monthly worming for this to try and prevent it. Um, Because at this time of year, when it does get sort of damp and you see all the mould around, you do get sort of all the slugs and things coming out. And Mm. it's just natural for dogs, even sort of if they aren't particularly interested in eating slugs and snails, if they go outside to eat a little bit of grass because they've overindulged at sort of Christmas time, then the chances that they'll end up eating something like that. So it really is quite a worrying one that we want to try and prevent. So is this uh, as much an issue for cats as it is dogs? Like for them when they're having a little roam outside? Cats particularly sort of when they're going off and they're exploring in the garden, you get sort of this time of year a lot of sort of hedgehogs and foxes all sort of been a bit hungry, a bit bolder, coming sort of into the garden more. So the cats are actually more likely to pick them up as well at this time of year. So usually it's sort of a case of continuing on with things like the flea treatment and the wormers regularly to try and prevent these things. Right. So as we move into the winter and see the temperatures drop further, um, may even seeing some snow. I'm not sure how happy I am about the snow. I'm not a fan, <laughs> but we're not the only ones that needing to keep warm. So how do we take care 
of our smaller pets so like rabbits and guinea pigs in the cold yeah I think for rabbits and guinea pigs it's quite difficult because I sort of find at winter time they're often sort of more forgotten about because they are sort of in the garden you're not out there as much um so it's just a case of sort of like going into the winter time being prepared sort of already checking the hutch to make sure it's sort of really really good and strong and stable and it's not getting damp anywhere at all and then when it actually comes to sort of the bad weather and um, sometimes sort of taking the hutch so it's inside a shed or a garage if there's no cars there just to kind of give them a bit of protection from that wind and rain and if that isn't possible then you can get sort of covers or tarpaulins to go over the top just to sort of try and act as a bit of a windbreak because they sort of feel the cold exactly the same as we do usually sort of putting things like a lot of nice comfy bedding in there as well to sort of insulate them a little bit more um, and they're a bit like us at this at that time of year when it is colder, they do want to eat a lot more. So they get sort of the more calories to keep themselves warm. So it's just sort of providing that extra sort of food for them as well. And the other fun, unfortunately, as well, is trying to keep the water uh, sort of not frozen, keep it accessible, encourage them to drink. So usually it's a case of sort of covering up the water bottles, try and insulate it a little bit more, checking it regularly to make sure it hasn't frozen and they can still get a drink. And it's a bit like sort of any other animal, sort of those regular checks, make sure they're just as lively as they would be normally because they tend to hide illness a lot better than dogs and cats do. So as soon as they're sort of not 100% at that time of year, we always recommend a vet check just to make sure everything's okay. Sure. I mean, how do you tell if a rabbit is cold? I mean, uh, you know, do they shiver? They can do. Usually sort of with rabbits and sort of guinea pigs, it's really quite difficult to tell sort of how they're feeling compared to a dog or a cat who will sort of come and kind of give you more signs. So with things like rabbits, it's kind of watching out for them being sort of a little bit sluggish, bit sort of slow in what they're doing. And it's just basically because everything's slowing down because they can't sort of maintain that temperature and then sort of feeling things like the paws and their ears because they will start sort of feeling that little bit colder. But equally, it's it's hard as well because some people want to bring the rabbits in sort of during the day and sort of things like that. But some rabbits sort of find that quite stressful as well. So any sort of yeah. thing for the rabbits, it's real slow and steady. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to ask you that because, I mean, I've never had a rabbit. I've always wanted one. I always, always ask mum and dad, but no, not a chance. Um, but yeah, it, moving them, like I know you said maybe moving them to a shed or stuff like that. We don't want to stress them out. Bringing them into the house or suddenly just for those winter months or the, 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 those cold nights, or that is, that's not necessarily maybe then the answer. If you could kind of have the time to plan it and do everything really, really slowly and sort of let them have some time inside, sort of start acclimatizing to bin inside, then that's great. And it's sort of quite nice to transition and then they can spend the winter time indoors. Um, but they really struggle with sort of how warm we have the house with sort of the central heating on. They really don't like being that warm. So sometimes it's a case, say, like having them in the conservatory or in a room where you can turn the heating down. So they're in and they're protected, but they're not overheating. And it's always one of those things that you kind of instinctively is, we want to bring them in at night time because we know it's going to be even colder. But if they've spent all day sort of outside and then they're brought into a really, really warm house at night time, it actually puts quite a bit of stress on the body. So it's sometimes trying to see things from the rabbit's perspective rather than us yeah. wanting to sort of keep them snuggly, buggly and warm. 
when it comes yeah, down no, to Yeah, no, there's nothing right worse. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing worse than coming out from the cold and you come into your overheated house. I mean, it takes our breath away. Yeah, so exactly. Poor things with a little furry coat on. Yeah. And like, I can't actually now breathe. <laughs> um, also, I find, especially with my little one, my poppy dog, if it's raining, she's like, not a chance. How do we protect our animals' paws, like if it's cold or mm. wet, rainy? And if they don't want to go out, well, how, do, how do we get over that? Yeah, it can be really quite hard. You get some dogs, they just hate the bad weather and they don't want to go and it's more upsetting to sort of make them go out on the walk and you kind of think, whose benefit is this for at this point? So it is hard. So I usually sort of try to say for any sort of dog that's sort of more reluctant, sort of making sure that they're happy and they're healthy and there's nothing sort of underlying that's causing this as well because some dogs, if they're a little bit sort of arthritic and then they've got to go outside and it's icy and slippy, can actually be quite painful for them as well. So it's just sort of checking for things like that. Um, if it's sort of a young, sort of a healthy animal just doesn't like going outside and in the bad weather, sometimes it's more sort of getting them used to being outside. So sometimes like a nice game when you're outside, so they actually learn to enjoy it and then sort of gradually building that up to a walk. But we often sort of say exactly the same as us. If it is absolutely chucking it down and it's freezing cold, then some dogs are sort of much, much better with having like a little coat on, a little rain jacket um, or some boots to try and protect the feet as well, just to make it a bit more comfortable and a bit more pleasant for them. Bev, my mother is going to love your answer then because <laughs> I honestly, she has bought my dog so many different coats because she said, no, Poppy's going to get cold and Poppy's going to get wet. And I'm like... They're all right. She's okay. She doesn't mind. But actually, you've just said, you know, it's actually not a bad idea. So sorry, puppy dog, you will be getting your Macintosh back on in a few oh, weeks. It's <laughs> always my excuse um, every year to go shopping and go to match with the dogs. Matchy, matchy. I know. I know. I must admit, she does have a little cheeky uh, Christmas jumper. Uh, she, again, oh, she hates it. She doesn't. She doesn't like it very oh, much. So I don't. Me. I don't put her through it. <laughs> so I don't have a garden. So I have to take pops out and um, go for her walk and do her ablutions anyway. But it, you know, at winter time or when it's raining, uh, like you know, miserable. I just literally just send her out to do that. Yep. Gardens are much easier. They can just pop them out. But so surely, though, they're they're missing out on all their exercise. So if they were just going outside just for them to go to the loo and they just don't really fancy walking at all, is there anything we can do indoors with them? Yeah. To maybe keep their fitness levels up, I guess. <laughs> Listen, it's a bit like us in this sort of time of year. We don't really want to go out. You're not doing as much. The one thing yeah. sort of I would say is sort of kind of been aware of those days and they've not been out quite as much and actually sort of cutting down the food that they're having over those months as well. Because it's a bit like us. They very, very quickly pile on the pounds over winter time. Um, so it's kind of been aware of that. But equally, there's loads of things that you could do within the house to sort of keep them really, really entertained and make them sort of use the brain and stimulate themselves a lot more so we do things like kind of find and seek sort of games so you can hide sort of various treats and toys around the house and then sort of give them a cue for like go find it and then off they go run in get to explore around get to forage around so they're still using all those natural skills that they've got and that they'll be doing on a walk but instead they're using them in the house without having to go outside if they don't enjoy it as much that is a great idea yeah because I mean we all have dogs that we know that don't like going out so and that you just think I didn't really I didn't actually that's another good point is cutting down on their their food a little bit yeah we get a lot of animals that over winter time they pile on 
quite a lot of weight and it's really hard when you're seeing your dog every single day it's really difficult to see that they're actually gaining weight so sometimes it's when you sort of bump into someone you've not seen for a while and they sort of go "Mm, they're looking a bit on the chubby side or when your pet goes for sort of the uh, booster in the summertime or the springtime we pop them on the scales and compared to last year they've put on a few kilos so it's quite easy for them to do at this time of year unfortunately so usually sort of my dogs kind of go on to their sort of wintertime rations we sort of go to measuring out the food making sure they're not going to get too much and I think it's hard as well because we're sort of often sat home watching movies or snuggling down because the weather's not as nice and there they are with the big doughy sad eyes asking for treats as well so it is hard but it's one of those things that if you're aware of it and you sort of kind of monitor the treats throughout the day they can still feel included but they're not getting too many (laughs) yeah oh sorry poppy close your ears sorry (laughs) 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 because I did again actually I spoke to my vet only yesterday um re poppy and uh he said well she's put on some weight which is good because she was quite underweight for a bit because she like I said she she wasn't very well and um he said but just make sure that that keeps to that amount because obviously I mean she's 12 and a half as well um and obviously if she they put on too much weight can affect their hips and their their back legs and again if they're not moving that could pose a problem yeah a lot of mobility problems it was sort of winter time a because sort of dogs are in they're not moving around as much so it's a bit like us if you're not moving and you're not stretching things when you do get to move it's actually quite uncomfortable and things have seized up but then as you say with that excess weight through already sort of older potentially arthritic joints it can make a real difference to some of these dogs but there's also a lot of other things that sort of we can do for older pets as well so like around the house at this time of year when they're coming in and it's sort of wet laminate floors they find that really quite hard they're slipping and sliding so usually this is the time of year where I bring out all the carpet runners then they've got sort of like a little safe path so they can get across the room without slipping and hurting old joints Um, one of my dogs goes for hydrotherapy because she's got sort of back problems so going for things like that nice warm water there they sort of dry her off before she comes home she comes home in a nice snuggly coat so she still gets all that sort of mobility and stretching and keeps the joints supple without having to brace the horrible weather that she doesn't like (laughs) so there's a lot of alternatives I might have to do that sign sign you up um, to do a bit of swimming poppy <laughs> and also no I've just had some new flooring put down and uh, so I I actually thought about this about her sort of skidding a little bit and especially when she knows the uh, food bowls going down she does do a little she suddenly has all the energy in the world and runs very very quickly to the kitchen but I don't want her slipping so yeah that's another good good tip maybe getting you know some mats or runners and stuff like that and we don't want to leave out our our lovely moggies our cats obviously in the winter we don't want their little entrances and exits to be (laughs) blocked um so to speak so keeping their cat flaps clear I guess from leaves snow ice whatever got to be a bit careful with things like antifreeze very very dangerous yeah unfortunately we see a lot of cats every year sort of coming in with sort of antifreeze toxicity and the downside of antifreeze is for cats it smells and tastes really really sweet so they want to go and eat it so you often find that they sort of come in the main sort of signs that we see is they're really sluggish just miserable lethargic and sometimes having some sickness not eating and they're just so sorry for them little selves and it is usually sort of something like antifreeze that they've managed to ingest. Um, and it's it's really, really dangerous. In a lot of cases, it is fatal. 
Um, and it's one of those conditions that the sooner we see them, the better. Um, early treatment is really, really key for these things. So if they're showing any signs at all, then we want to see them straight back. They sometimes um, hide, don't they, as well, sort of to keep warm because, you know, they do go disappearing. And so obviously, you know, you you sometimes see those um, missing notices in your local news agents or on a tree stump saying, please check your sheds and your cars. And Yeah, cats are not daft. They always find the sensible places also they think to go and hide. So their favourites are usually kind of like warm car engines at night time. They'll sort of snuggle down on a sort of underneath the car and think they're nice and toasty um and other times they'll sort of sneak into sheds or garages when people have got the doors open and you know what cats are like the little ninjas they're in and you don't even see that they're there so it's just a case of sort of every morning before you go out to work checking the car making sure they're not sort of hiding underneath and usually it's sort of that time of year where I just sort of say to kind of make sure that your cat is microchipped so if they do decide to sort of go wandering off they get into sort of the back of the van or in somebody's shed if somebody finds them, it makes it much, much easier to get them reunited if they've got a microchip that's up to date as well. And the same for things like on bonfire night as well. They'll find silly places to go and hide that they feel that they're safe. Um, so you do get a lot of sort of missing cats at that time of year. And usually it's down to things like that, unfortunately. Cats, if you're listening, just go home. <laughs> you're go it. back to your home and to your basket. <laughs> Don't go hiding in these weird places. We can't find you. What do you do to get them back? Because obviously I've, I've never had a cat, but things like, you know, if, you, if your dog goes missing or, or on the run, you, it's quite good uh, to do like little food trails. Can you do that with cats? Yeah, it's more difficult with cats because you know what cats are like. Cats just do what cats want to do and there's no persuading them otherwise. Um, so usually it's a case of just sort of like making sort of all the neighbours and people in the local area aware that they are missing, asking them to do things like check the sheds and the garages because um, it's really, really easy for cats to sort of sneak in without people realising. Um, and then you can also sort of notify the microchip company that they are missing. So if they sort of are taken into a vet, so it will flag up on the system that they're sort of lost and need to be reunited with their owners. And then usually we sort of say if your cat has gone missing, just sort of keep calling them as you would do normally, sort of using sounds like dreamies and treats so they sort of recognise those sorts of signs. Um, and I usually sort of advise to kind of have an area outside, like a little sort of cardboard box, pop some sort of old clothing or bedding in so it smells really familiar. So they've got a place where they can sort of come back, that they feel safe. So hopefully they'll sort of start moving towards there and it gives you more chance to sort of get them back home again. That is a great idea. Yeah, that well, obviously we don't want any of our, our furry friends going missing, but that's a really good tip. Let's go indoors now, I think, Bev, because I'm freezing talking about it outside. <laughs> um, and specifically around Christmas, we really should be avoiding the temptation to feed our dogs any of our leftover dinner or pudding which I know I, 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 I there was a time where I would just give Poppy a little bit of a Christmas dinner of her own but it's probably not the best idea is it so it's really hard because we always want to sort of share and make them feel included um, and dogs sort of try really hard to sort of fit in with us and they sort of like to be part of everything but it it is quite a dangerous time of year because there's so many sort of Christmas foods that are actually really quite dangerous to dogs. So obviously sort of all the Christmas chocolates that are around, your Christmas pudding, your mince pies, they're all really, really toxic to dogs. So dogs can't have anything sort of to do with those. And if they do manage to sort of have any of them, then we always recommend sort of taking them straight to the vets. 
Um, sometimes these things can take a few hours to start to show that they've actually caused a problem. So even if it is just a little bit and so sort of they're not showing any signs at the minute, we'd still always recommend sort of contacting the vets. Unfortunately, even things like sharing a bit of Christmas dinner with the dog in some cases can actually sort of lead to quite a few problems. So obviously our food is really quite fatty for dogs. So you can get sort of problems like pancreatitis that will cause really bad sickness and diarrhea. So usually we sort of tend to say as with everything else, bit by cause, everything in moderation. So if you want your dog to sort of still be included in sort of everything to get to be there for Christmas dinner, Usually sort of what I tend to say is kind of for the weeks leading up to Christmas, get the dog used to what you want them to be doing when everyone's at the Christmas table having food. So I tend to like make a little snuffle mat or an activity mat. So it's like felt that's all sort of weaved together. Snuffle mats? What? What? what tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it depends on sort of how arts and crafts we are. Some of the ones that my clients have made are absolutely phenomenal, but I'm not that able to do things like that so I just sort of get like um you can either make sort of like a mat shaped one where you get felt and you sort of weave it in now um or you can kind of do like a plait one so you tie it at the top and get some big long sort of few meter long strips and then sort of plait them together and then tie it at the bottom and then sort of between the different parts of the plait you can hide sort of various dog treats and vegetables and sort of little bits of meat in there then rather than sort of feeding them in a bowl where everything's sort of so easy accessible and it's a minute on the lips they kind of have to spend a lot of time sort of with the nose and sort of fine kind of motor skills figuring out how to get these little bits out of there so it does sort of keep them occupied keeps them sort of busy as well and it sort of provides a bit of release from the boredom of winter time when they're not able to go out as much um, and some dogs love it some dogs sort of initially find it quite hard to figure out how to get the things out so initially I say to sort of make it quite easy sprinkle some of them on top so they quickly get the idea that it's a great sort of place to be and you get a lot of food from there and then as they get better at it you can hide them deeper so they've got to spend a lot of time sort of getting them out but the only thing is if you've got a dog that likes to kind of chew things a little bit too much just keeping half an hour and making sure they're not sort of ripping through it as well mm. I know my Aussie when he gets bored he just kind of decides as well the quickest way to get the food out is to rip it open <laughs> simply destroy it right. <laughs> well, i've got all the food <laughs> so it depends on the dog as to how long it lasts but if it's sort of a little bit of felt that you could just get from any sort of craft store you can easily sort of make a new one and it's a great thing for the kids to do at this time of year as well because they're bored and they can't go outside to play as much as well so you can get the kids to sort of make them a snuffle mat you can do christmas colored ones as well so we get a lot of our clients that sort of swear by them once the dog's used to them, keeps them oh, occupied for ages. Uh, yeah, we need to see if we can, uh, Blue Cross can put it on their, their website or something so um, to see for, for people to see what they look like. And yeah, that's a great idea. Like when you can't, the, the nights are drawing in, it's dark, start getting the kids, you know, making their own. I think that's a great idea. I might get to my niece and nephew to do that <laughs> for me because I'm rubbish with the needle. And also, I suppose with the, uh, you put those mats, you're using the treats that they've been you've been feeding and, and using those for a while. So that's not it's nothing going to be new because you know at Christmas time as well, you get excited about shopping and you go into a, a pet store and there's so many different things, aren't they, for sale? Like I, you know, I have been tempted over the years. I haven't done it for a long time. But it's, it's like get get Poppy a nice big juicy bone yep. for Christmas or they, they even do like doggy mince pies yep. and and um, doggy chocolate treats and chocolate logs and all that if they're not used to that and then you're suddenly giving them all this food that's going to be a, a silly mistake yeah. really is that you know you don't want them being poorly on Christmas day yeah. what about these big juicy bones <laughs> 
We do unfortunately see a lot of problems. I think it kind of goes back to sort of like the cartoon dogs that you always see. So they've always got a nice big juicy bone that they're running around with, sort of having a real good time. And dogs usually, if you do give them a bone, they really, really enjoy it. But there there are sort of quite a few risks with giving them bones. So the main thing we worry about is that they'll actually kind of chew some of it off and it'll become wedged in sort of the stomach or the intestines and then they'll need surgery to fix that. And it's a really, really high risk surgery as well. But we do also see a lot of other problems as well. So as they're kind of chewing on the bone and it splinters, it can sort of cause cuts and sores in the mouth and abscesses that will kind of brew up after a few days. So it can be really quite risky with bones. So usually I sort of say to tend to avoid any sort of bones that are. And if you really sort of want to kind of give the dog something extra special at that sort of time of year, then usually sort of a bit of sort of the actual kind of white turkey meat is the best thing that you can give rather than sort of any of the bones that are with it. But again, everything in moderation, because as you say, if they have something that they're not used to having, then you are going to end up with sort of tummy problems over the next few days. So Bev, I don't want to sound like a bit of a bar humbug here. <laughs> so we've basically told we can't give our, our doggies doggy mince pies. <laughs> what could we give them instead, sort of like to keep them entertained? Sort of, I know you sort of mentioned maybe some turkey, but to, is there anything like we can put in like toy Kongs or what would you suggest? At this time of year, sort of because we're sort of worried about like the calories that they're having because they're not doing as much, my kind of go-to thing, I like loads of kind of like winter vegetables, kind of a bit like us when you're kind of doing a stew. There's loads of things as you're chopping those up that you can put actually to one side for your dog. So things like carrots are great. and loads <laughs> of I'm glad you said that. <laughs> She loves a carrot. As soon as I get out there and I'm starting chopping, she's like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here, don't forget me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. I'm pleased that carrots are okay. Yeah, so there's lots of things like there's carrots, uh, things like scrambled eggs. There's loads of sort of things that are actually really quite safe for dogs. And you can kind of make them last a lot longer as well by sort of like encouraging them to use the brain and to find these things. So you can kind of um, kind of hide them at various places around the house you could do sort of like loads of activity feeders at home. So there's a lot of sort of like commercial activity feeders that you can buy. They're designed to kind of slow dogs down when they're eating and sort of make them use the brain more. But there's loads and loads and loads of ones that you can actually make at home. So things like um, old shoe boxes with sort of like the tubes in there from your kitchen rolls, you can sort of pop them in. Some of like the wrapping that you're getting for your Christmas presents and the packaging that comes from in there, like the cardboard wrappers, you can pop them on a shoebox, sprinkle in some of the carrots and the sort of the veg that you've been cooking. Um, and then the dog can sort of spend some time sort of sniffing through all that, finding all the nice tasty things to eat. And it keeps them sort of mentally occupied and busy as well and lets you get on in the kitchen while you're cooking without having them under your feet and begging as well. So it keeps them occupied as well as sort of hopefully giving them some nice treats as well. Peanut butter, I hear a lot about, but surely that's full of calories. <laughs> I mean, oh. I know I just look at a jar of that and I put on a stone. <laughs> exactly. It's one of those things, it tastes too good to be true. Um, there's a lot of sort of things like peanut butter, they do sort of like dog safe ones because nowadays a lot of sort of the foods that we have, because we're sort of worried about the sugar content of them, they make them sugar free, which is great for a human. Brilliant but it has xytolin, which is quite toxic to dogs. So if you kind of get the ones that are safe for dogs, it'll usually say on them sort of from the pet shop, sort of pet safe, or if you kind of check the ingredients. 
but they can have them sort of smeared around a Kong. And it's one of those, if they're eating lots of it, yeah, it's full of calories. So I pop mine in the freezer. So then it's sort of much more <gasps> harder for them to get out. So it takes them twice as long and they still get a treat, but it doesn't take them as long. <laughs> now that is a really good idea. Anything else we can freeze? Yeah, there's sort of quite a lot of things. You can buy sort of like the commercial paste that can go in there, but you can get sort of a lot of meat paste that can go in there, the special Kong paste. Again, sort of you can soak the actual kibble with warm water, kind of makes it into like a bit of a mash and then you can pop that in there hide some peanut butter or some cream cheese in the middle so they've got to work around the sort of main biscuits to get to the tasty bit on the inside and um, depends on sort of how food orientated your dog is as to how long they'll persevere so one of mine's quite lazy so she has to have lots of nice things in a con but the other one he'd eat anything whether it's nailed down or not so you can kind of give him a con with dry cardboard in and still give it a go <laughs> so it depends on the dog as to kind of what you end up doing um, yeah she's like oh it's taking too long I get I give up but I mean yeah that is I mean especially like you know if you if you've got a, a family I know cooking Christmas dinner is 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 you're in the kitchen and you don't want them under your feet and you're in there for quite a while that's quite a good way of keeping them entertained and yeah and they can have like loads of the veg as well that you do for like your Christmas dinner so they can have like green beans your sprouts your parsnips your carrots they can have a little bit of potato so pretty much anything sort of along those lines the only things they really sort of can't have as far as vegetables is anything sort of from the onion or garlic family but anything sort of else other than that like as I say, parsnips, carrots, you can just sort of pop them in. You can sort of freeze them as well. So they take sort of a lot longer. If you've got a puppy at this time of year as well, sometimes sort of putting the carrots and parsnips in the fridge or the freezer, it's actually quite soothing on the gum. So it's a bit like giving a child a teething ring out the fridge works exactly the same for them as well so it's really comforting for those sorts of dogs we like to decorate our homes don't we with Mm -hmm. tinsel and the presents and the wrapping paper these also can be you know quite a bit of a a hazardous thing for them yeah we get sort of quite a few sort of fun christmas related ones every single year so the main one we usually sort of tend to see is cats and christmas trees they love to sort of climb them have fun with them but then some cats get a little bit carried away and start eating the tinsel or sort of the bells off decorations and um, so we do get sort of quite a few cats unfortunately that have eaten tinsel and it's become wedged in their intestines and again they have to have surgery to get that out and um, I had a cat last Christmas time that had eaten the bell off one of its toys that it had got as a Christmas present oh no so I had to have surgery to get that out <laughs> so if there's anything daft to eat they'll, they'll give it a go <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. So, what happens then if your 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 you pet nicks one of your chocolate treats off the tree? That's where the fun and games usually start. So, a nice <laughs> winter phone call to the vet and a lovely trip down on Christmas Day. So, it's one of those things that vets spend their entire Christmas time dealing with everything that's kind of eating silly things that they shouldn't. So, usually, sort of because of how toxic sort of the chocolate can be, it depends on sort of what sort of chocolate it is as well as to how dangerous it is. But even a really, really small amount could be quite dangerous, especially to something so small as a cat. So usually it's a case of give your vet a ring straight away and take them down. And and it can be sort of a few days in the hospital for some of them. Oh, no, you just don't want that. And actually, it it never tastes the same on the tree. Because once you've got the heating on, it it just goes all (laughs) melted. So no, keep keep them away. (laughs) I tell you what I noticed last year, which was the first time, like I said, my puppy dog, she's 12 and a half. But we pulled our cracker at the table. Well, she literally jumped, you know, to the ceiling, oh, shaking. She it really freaked her out. So that's, I, I just, I'm just putting it out there. So 
if they're not they don't like all the fireworks and the bangs yeah probably be careful with your pulling of your crackers because you forget how loud those bangs are so and for dogs it's kind of really unexpected as well they sort of think that everyone's just sort of sat around the table having food then all of a sudden these bangs start and they can't predict what's going to happen so it makes some dogs sort of quite worried about sort of being in the room and sort of really upsets them for a while so you can get the these like silent crackers now as well which are great for pets because there's no bangs but you still get to have your christmas crackers. oh is there i didn't know that oh right well i'll get some of those <laughs> also i was going to ask you we as a family we like to go away at christmas and i, and I used to do uh, quite a lot of pantomimes so we would rent sort of cottages for about a week or some self-catering uh, houses and stuff Poppy the first time we went away we we stayed in a cottage and she just didn't seem settled at all she was sitting facing the wall she just what she wouldn't go to bed she was just really stressed I don't know what it was um, about this particular house thankfully that hasn't happened since but is there anything you would suggest like if you are going away for Christmas this year and you're taking your animal for the first time how do you make them feel safe yeah, it can be a tricky one because sort of, as you say, you want to kind of take them with you, you want them to be included in sort of all the nice festivities. Um, but for dogs, some of them sort of cope better with change sort of more than other dogs do. So I usually sort of try and sort of say to stick to sort of the same routine just to sort of help them give that bit of structure as well. So kind of in the morning, as you would do at home, morning walk, straight out, sort of quite happy. And then sort of during the day, sort of try and keep everything sort of as calm and as normal as possible. And then the evening walks as you would do sort of routinely. And that sort of helps them structure the day a little bit. They know what to expect. And I usually sort of try for the dog to keep everything as familiar as you can do. So taking their own food and water bowls so it feels like home as well. And it is sort of quite good. It's a good thing to kind of get a lot of dogs to do anyway, is to kind of have a nice little sort of safe haven or safe bed that they've got. So if you do sort of need to take them somewhere different, you can take that bed with you and they kind of see it as their kind of like nice little safe zone, know that everything's going to be okay there. And it depends on sort of the individual dog as to what works out best. So if they've got a bed that they love and they always want to be in that one, absolutely fine. You can just sort of take that one with you and then hopefully they'll kind of see that as like the nice place to be. Um, And when you're there, I just sort of try to encourage them to settle in it, sort of popping a few little treats on top. So they kind of go, okay, it's quite nice to be in here. I'll stay in here a bit more. Um, other dogs sort of need a little bit more persuasion. Some dogs are sort of a little bit more sort of active, want to be on the go all the time, and they need to be more be taught that like this is a safe place and like you can go and settle there as well. Um, so for those dogs, I tend to sort of like pick like a favorite blanket or a favorite bed because then you can sort of transport it with you when you do go somewhere. And initially, sort of just popping it down, sprinkling loads of treats on it, letting them sort of go and explore. And then if they happen to sort of sit down on it, throwing them another treat over so they realise that's the best place to be and it's sort of nice things happen when you're there. And then eventually they get the idea that that's like a really, really nice place to be. And when they see that sort of appear in a new environment, be that in the vets or in the car, it then sort of helps them just sort of settle, feel a bit more relaxed. There are a lot of other things that we can do as well. So you can get sort of special collars for dogs that help them feel sort of a lot more relaxed and calm. Like you can get the adaptal collars. Um, so that just sort of helps them feel at home a little bit more as well. But the main thing as well at sort of Christmas time when it's all sort of busy and there's lots of people around as well is to make sure that the dog gets enough rest as well because dogs need to sleep for a phenomenal amount of time. And when everything's sort of going on in its new place, sometimes it's just a little bit too much and then they don't mm. sort of get the proper rest 
bit like a child they start getting a bit cranky making wrong decisions so it's just sort of encouraging them to kind of have a little bit of time to kind of chill out rest and then they'll feel ready for sort of the rest of the day and so they'll then approach everything a bit more calmly hopefully yeah I've I've made a list of everything you've just said <laughs> because it's all so important you don't want them missing out on their festivities and you know they're they're part of your Christmas and uh, part of the family so yeah it's just making them feel um safe and sort of the smells and that they can join in and have a nice time too oh bev thank you so much for talking to us no thank you so much for having me that's it for this petcast but there's tons more information on our website bluecross.org.uk slash podcast if you've enjoyed this episode please feel free to share it with fellow pet lovers and if you love it write us a review on your podcast app it'll help people to find the series more easily I'm Emma Barton. The Petcast is a Bengo Media production for Blue Cross. Mm-hmm.